Well, good evening. Hey, this is Alex Freitag. I'm uh, class of 87 from Columbus Academy, and welcome to the first edition of the ironically named Continuing the Quest. But uh, next time we'll be continuing the Continuing the Quest. And um, I'm happy to have you guys here. We've got a bunch of folks on with us, and I'm here with Mike Shalonsky, class of 84, and Victoria Foreman, who's class of 2007. And um, Columbus Academy reached out to us to um, talk with uh, whoever wanted to uh, sign up for this about a topic, the, the topic of people and talent and the right talent, especially in this sort of virtual and this pandemic, this sort of everything that's crazy that's going on right now. And so uh, uh, Mike and Victoria and I uh, put together sort of an hour long, it's gonna cruise pretty fast, but it's an hour long kind of set of, uh, well, some, some information, but also some opportunity for Q&A for all of us you know, to have a conversation around this topic and help you guys uh, listening in any way we can. Um, uh, some surveys from Columbus Academy showed that uh, alumni really wanted uh, to have some ideas on better leveraging the power of the Academy network and having alumni kind of have the chance to help each other find a, a, either, either the first job or another job, uh, the next promotion, that kind of thing and uh, business connections, but really serving as resources for our, our fellow Vikings. So that's what we're here to do. And um, the way this will kind of work, and, and um, I'm gonna say the word next, and this, uh, I have no control of the slides, this magic person behind the, uh, the, the green curtain here will actually forward these slides and advance the slides for us. So, but this is our promise today. Um, we're gonna have some fun, but we're gonna uh, try to provide access to something that you really couldn't otherwise get access to. So these, these really easy, low risk, kind of one hour continuing the quest uh, events will, will become more frequent. Um, and we'll, we're going to learn a lot as we go through this, but we're hoping also that you learn something new. We're going to share our best tips, um, our advice so far as, as the uh, slide here says with you today. And ideally, you're going to leave with a couple of tools, a couple of ideas that'll help you. Um, we're also going to leave you with some contact information of us if you have further questions that we don't really get to answer on this in this format, and then also you get a copy of these slides as well. But ultimately, we want to help you guys, uh, all you listeners, uh, uh, to build your academy network. A couple of uh, next housekeeping issues. Um, this, this is one hour long. We're going to try to allow enough time for, for abundant Q&A. And uh, all, all three of us will be on, um, on video at that point. Uh, we're going to show you some slides up until that point. So you just hear our audio. And of course, you guys don't have video or audio um, functions right now. So it's very low risk. Um, you can be doing the dishes. You can be you know, in your pajamas or whatever. But if you do have a question, and we do encourage you to ask us lots of questions, there's a little button at the bottom called Q&A and just click that and a little window pop up, you can type your question in there. And I'm gonna be kind of monitoring that. I'm, I'm the sort of the, the facilitator and, and try to weave the questions into Victoria and Mike, um, either within their bios or within the stories they're telling or um, most, uh, most commonly in the Q&A section. So, and this is being recorded. So uh, Victoria, Mike, please keep it clean and, um, and we'll have some fun here. So you guys, as I said, we'll get a link to all this stuff. So um, I will say one more time the word next and we're gonna do some introductions. I'm gonna turn it over to Mike Shalonsky to start us off. He will turn it over to Victoria who will then turn it back over to me to give us a little bit of background, our stories, weaving in uh, some of the history of how each of us got to now. And so with that, next, Mike. 
Alex, thank you. Appreciate the introduction. And I thank everybody who's out there uh, listening in. I, I realize there aren't that many other options tonight. So, so thanks for making it. Um, yep, class of 84, um, proud parent of Sarah Shalonsky, class of 17, Tyler Shalonsky, class of 19, and Jake Shalonsky, uh, who hopefully will graduate in 2025. Um, my wife, by the way, went to Bexley and, uh, you know, I still love her for that. Um, upon graduating from Academy, I went on to uh, Northwestern University in Evanston and frankly had no clue what I wanted to do. And by my junior year, I still had virtually no clue what I wanted to do. And, and I, I know there's some college age uh, individuals on this right now and you, you may know the feeling. Um, so I finally declared my major uh, political science and my dad called me early in my junior year and asked me what I was gonna do with that degree. And um, with a straight face, I told him I wanted to open a baseball card shop. And he also with a straight face said, okay, um, so after that doesn't work out, what are you gonna do for the rest of your life? And that led me to apply to law school because a couple of my roommates, uh, we, there were of four of us fraternity brothers who lived off campus uh two of them were going to go to law school so i said well i think i want to go to law school too and i went to law school came home i'm a columbus uh, born and raised um, person uh, went to law school at ohio state's uh, Maritz college of law um, and uh, graduated as you can see in 91. Um, in 91 I, I did what i thought you were supposed to do and that was applied to some some of the bigger law firms in columbus and I was fortunate enough to, to get an opportunity with what was then called Shanstein, Zox and Dunn. Uh, interestingly, the Zox and Shanstein, Zox and Dunn, Ben Zox, uh, was an academy graduate in the late 50s. And each of those gentlemen had a son who was a contemporary of mine. Uh, Eric Schottenstein graduated academy, I believe in 81 or 82. Uh, Billy Zox in 85 and Mark Dunn also in 85. I was at Shanstein, Zox and Dunn for a couple of years. Um, if the truth must be known, I, I did not like that experience. Um, I was sort of reconsidering whether I really wanted to be a lawyer even. Um, but I, I started looking approximately six months before I landed a job with what was then called Consolidated Stores Corporation, which um, I, I saw the address. I had to pull out a paper map to look up where it was. I, I've always been an East Sider and uh, as, as it may be, uh, Consolidated Stores at that time was located on the far west side of Columbus. So I did a drive by on a Sunday, interviewed to become a workers comp expert or specialist for Consolidated Stores. And I figured I, um, I was a labor and employment attorney. And frankly, as it ended up, um, I knew more about workers compensation than our general counsel at the time, who thankfully knew nothing about workers compensation. So I got the job and that was the beginning of my career that little did I know in 1993 when I was 27, um, I'd still be at 27 years later, so literally half my life uh, at the same company, which is a bit unusual these days. Um, but there are people my age in that situation, but folks who are younger than me can't imagine being in the same place for 27 years. But Big Lots, we were back then, by the way, Consolidated Stores, the stores in central Ohio were all called Odd Lots, Outside of Central Ohio, we were called Big Lots. Since we had a lot more Big Lots than we had Odd Lots, we eventually became Big Lots everywhere. In the meantime, we did a number of acquisitions. Some went well, some didn't. But in the end, and today, 
We have about 1,400 stores in 47 states, and they're all called Big Lots. Anyway, the, the, part of the reason I stayed at Big Lots for so long, and I, I joke with my family, it's because no one else wants me, but I, I think the truth of the matter is Big Lots offered a challenge um, on, on felt like a daily basis, and it continues to feel like on a daily basis. So whether it was a number of promotions in the 27 years, maybe, maybe 15 promotions in 27 years, to actually changing disciplines completely. Uh, again, started off as a lawyer, maybe a reluctant lawyer, but a lawyer nonetheless. Um, staff counsel, as you can see, ended up managing um, all of our litigation across the country, a lot of premises liability, slip and falls in the stores, uh, also Title VII stuff, sexual harassment, those sorts of cases um, led to all litigation, including workers' comp, also led to managing our insurance portfolio um, and therefore be, became director of risk management at one point. Um, and it just continued on for, for a number of years to the present. Uh, so if we said, if there was a 2020 uh, line there, it would still be VP of human resources, um, which means compensation, benefits, talent acquisition, talent development, philanthropy, events, internal communication, and associate relations all flow up through, through my office. Um, so anyway, it's been a really fun ride, but every morning I wake up looking forward to going to work. And I think that's probably the number one reason I've stayed here this long. I, I think I've probably gone past my, my time limit. So I'll pass it on. So next slide to Victoria uh, Foreman, class of 2007. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for that introduction. Um, as you had said, I'm Victoria Foreman, class of 07. Um, following my time at Academy, I made my way to Colgate University where I was an English major and education minor and spent, um, you know, some time continuing my field hockey career um, and playing at the collegiate level there. Um, I think like, you know, many of some of probably the college students um, on the line today, you know, I graduated with an English degree and not really sure what I wanted to do after college. Um, I spent a lot of that summer, I remember networking and trying to figure out, did I want to stay, you know, go back to Columbus, stay on the East Coast. Um, and I had found a company, the advisory board um, out of Washington, D.C. that did um, healthcare technology and consulting sales. I'd actually applied for a role there and then realized that a girlfriend of mine from um, Colgate, who I played field hockey with, worked there. And so... I bring that up because I think it's so important to remember that even if you apply to a job, I remember they got thousands of applications, but leveraging that network really allowed me to actually, I think, land an interview. Um, and I was there for about five years working in sales and marketing before getting um, recruited over to Politico to um, help lead a, uh, a launch for a product and a sales team there as well. You know, throughout my time, in sales and marketing, I always had kind of recruited and built teams, um, had always been really interested in recruiting um, and talent acquisition. I got to a point kind of being in Washington, D.C., was ready to make my way back home. Um, and at that point, again, you know, reached out to my Columbus network where, you know, I'd heard about what was once a small company cover my meds, um, where they only had 100 or so employees to now being, you know, one of the larger um, healthcare companies in the Columbus area and was with them for a little bit. Um, I then again was kind of 
ready to get out of sales, get off the road, and had always kind of had this itch to want to go to talent acquisition, always interested in recruiting, helping people find jobs and really career paths, something I'd always been really um, passionate about in the roles that I had previously. And um, again, leveraging the um, Columbus Academy Network, I'd actually gotten in touch with someone whose husband um, worked in that space for years and was starting a brand new company. And it felt like just the right fit for me. Um, I went over with them very early on, was one of their first employees and have been there ever since. Um, and we'll go into that a little bit more about kind of the work that we do. Um, but at this point, I think I'll just turn it over to Alex. Great, thanks Victoria and thanks Mike. Uh, so I, I have a t completely different road and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through it and I've, I've put in the column to the right there sort of the Columbus Academy uh, related connections that actually really helped me move forward. Um, you can see the difference though at the top left I graduated in 1987 uh, from Academy went to Hamilton College graduated in four years with a psychology major which will play a role in uh, where I am today when I get into that uh, a little bit. But you can see the gap between 91 and 94. So I graduated 91. Where the heck were you, Alex, for three years before joining Cardinal Health? And that's sort of a twisty road. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen. Oh, did I say nine? Oh, sorry. Anyway, so if you've ever seen the um, uh, the Steve Jobs Stanford um, uh, graduation ceremony, when he talks about you, you can't look forward and connect the dots. You can only kind of look backward and connect them. So at the bottom of this, when I look back at, at these various lines here, it all really comes together uh, wonderfully, which is great. But these three years, it was sort of my lost years. I was in Chicago looking for a job. It was a recession in 91. It's like, you know, you look at this pandemic today, it was complete anxiety, complete uncertainty, stress. I was like, I'm a pretty smart dude and I cannot find a freaking job. A lot of uh, struggle there. I found a job, but it was in Connecticut. And that was my brother, Don Freitag, class of 84 with Mike actually, um, was vacating a seat at a, at a little marketing company there and um, suggested that they call me and, and make me a sales guy. And so I moved there and did that and was let go within about 10 months. The company was really struggling. It really wasn't my fault, I swear to God. And, um, and, and anyway, that didn't work out. And I moved to Los Angeles and be... Uh, with the idea of pursuing an acting career at Columbus Academy, I, I was in a lot of plays, really enjoyed acting. And I thought I'll go out there and do some improv and do some comedy. And so I was there for about a year, um, realizing that I really felt like I had more to offer um, the world than that. Um, I had some great experiences. But when I got back, I ran into Bob Walter actually outside of Metro Place. His company was starting to really take off. And he's like, you got to come apply here. As he knew me, I was friends with Matt. And um, so you think about that Academy connection, really powerful there. And I was there for a couple of years. And Gavin, my brother, class of 85, sent me a business plan from his business school saying, hey, let's do this, this company called ProfitWorks. And I said, that sounds great. And so we left Cardinal, left a secure job and decided not to take a salary for about seven years, which was not good. Um, but we learned a lot and um, you know, starting to realize connecting the dots. I started to really fall in love with this idea that what we were doing was teaching employees to think and act like owners, uh, help them understand how profit works in a company. And so it was a very powerful kind of platform, but we were a little bit ahead of where most entrepreneurs were in that they didn't want to share a lot of financial information with their employees. So we were, I was knocking on a lot of doors 
uh, with, without a lot of success and ran into Mike Ryan. Uh, we were driving uh, in, at a stop sign, set of stop signs in, in Arlington. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, train. And so caught up with him and he had just bought a little chocolate company. And I, I joined him for a couple of years as sort of uh, a right hand there and uh, really enjoyed that. At the same time, I was finishing up business school. I was a sponge for uh, business school. It's like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I just ate that up. And I really started to realize that uh, I missed what Gavin and I had been doing in, in ProfitWorks. And uh, I, I began to pursue that with a guy I had met in, in 2000. Um, I reconnected with him in 2008 and joined his company called Ownership Thinking. So the same kind of thing we were doing at ProfitWorks. And, um, but this guy was in Denver, great mentor of mine. And began to really uh, travel across the country and start around the world doing a lot of public speaking. And so if you think back to my um, improv days, I was in front of an audience. I was using my business school information. I had a lot of experience in, you know, pharmaceutical distribution, selling ProfitWorks, which is a services company. I'd been in a manufacturing company, manufacturing chocolates. I had a lot of really cool experiences that I could tap into to uh, talk to these entrepreneurs and sell this service called ownership thinking. And so I had a lot of success with that and things really started to take off for me. And I, one of my clients had implemented this system called EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system. And that's what I'm gonna talk about in just a minute here. And so I restarted my uh, original company that I started with Gavin just solo with a separate partner uh, in 2013. And that's what I'm doing today. And the, the, uh, couple things I jotted down as I was going through this because I hadn't really thought about all the Columbus Academy connections, but it's really, really powerful. I know there's an app, a Columbus Academy app that I strongly encourage you to, to tap into to, to connect with folks that might be in industries. But if you think about all of our common experiences at Columbus Academy, like if I say the words junior speech on this call, you guys, like I got like chills right there myself, but um, that's all a common experience. You could easily open a door, get a phone call taken, get a meeting with somebody by saying junior speech. Uh, so those kinds of things, I think really powerful. Um, within my lessons here, looking back at these dots connected, the psychology, what I'm doing today, I'm almost like a therapist uh, for these leadership teams in these different companies, helping them do three things called vision, traction, and healthy. And so my psychology background and setting sort of human behavior starts to come in there. A lot of, a lot of times it really doesn't matter what you majored in college, start to pursue things that really interest you. And that's what I feel like I did. I, I got opportunities up in front of me that I, I decided I'm going to do that. And I just took that road and followed it until something else came up that interested me. And it was remind, reminding me of a quote I came across in a book uh, recently, uh, the book's called Personality Isn't Permanent uh, by Dr. Ben Hardy. But in that book, he quotes a guy named Cal Newport. And Cal has uh, several books out. But the, the, the quote that really resonated with me related to this slide here, he says, passion comes after you put in the hard work to become excellent, something valuable, not before. Passion comes after you put in the hard work to become excellent at something, not before. I thought that was really powerful. Like people say, go find your passion, right? And it's really hard to do that until you start to realize something you're great at. And we'll talk more about this as we get into this. But I realized when I was doing ownership thinking, when I got into EOS, I was really good at this stuff. And that became something I was really passionate about. And I, and I just followed it. So I've been on that, that road for, for a little while. A couple of things I'm an entrepreneur, and I don't know if I realized that probably until about 2008, but as I look back, I was selling James Dean t-shirts in high school, 
and you know, I was, I've always had sort of this entrepreneurial instinct and when, when you look at what Gavin and I did. So very different path from, from Mike and Victoria, but uh, hopefully the, the variety of these stories uh, gives you sort of uh, some inspiration or some ideas for yourself. And I'll say next slide here, because I want to share with you and set some context for this people, this right talent topic that we're going to talk about today. And um, this is the EOS model. So EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. If, if you're interested in anything I say here, there's a couple of books on it. The best book to read probably though is called Traction. Traction by a guy named Gino Wickman. And he describes this whole model. We're not gonna talk about all six of these components, but I'll give you a high level overview and we're gonna talk about the people component and a couple of key tools there that will, will um, tie into the idea of search and talent and job search and some of the things we're talking about in this panel today. So vision is at the top of the model and it's, it's basically strategic planning. It's helping entrepreneurs and their leadership teams get clearly aligned on where they wanna go, how they wanna get there. People just to the left of that is making sure they have the right people to achieve that vision. And that's what I'm gonna dive into in just a minute. Data is having good ac access to uh, solid data, moving away from opinions and subjectives. And if you just look at those top three components of a, of a business, if, if you're really strong in vision in a business, you're great at people, you got all people in the right seats, you got great data, accurate, timely data, you have a really great company and all your barriers to success really, really stand out. And we simply call those issues. And that's the fourth component. And issues, you know, I would ask Mike or Victoria to unmute. And I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee if you guys unmute while I'm sort of stalling for time here, how often at Big Lots and at Mix, Victoria and Mike, do you guys have issues? <laughs> well, we're yeah, we're, all the yeah. time, right? Yeah, all the time. And so the, the truth is your ability in a business to, to achieve your vision is directly correlated to a team's ability to solve issues. And, and so we all have issues. We just have to have a, a way of solving them. The process component is about consistency and the traction components about accountability and discipline. So those six components make up the model. Next, I want to go into the people component and set up this discussion here, the people component, in order to strengthen that component, there are two disciplines. And the first discipline is called the right people. And you might have, if you read any Jim Collins, next slide, you will have heard right people, right seats, right? It's, he says, first who, then what? And if you think about these businesses that you might be applying to or trying to network your way into, those businesses are looking for who's. They're looking for the right who's and make sure that those people are in the right seat. So I just want to give you a couple of nuggets, a couple of ideas around that as you look toward these businesses and try to find that right fit. Um, so the right people, what does that mean? Next slide. Right people are people who are aligned with your core values. And so core values basically are timeless guiding principles or behavioral expectations in a firm. And I'm sure, and we'll talk about this with the panel, but at Big Lots, they have core values. At Mixed Talent, they have core values. And you know, EOS, ProfitWorks, we all have core values. They are what attract people to your firm. And they're also what repel non-right fit people from your firm. And that's a good thing. Uh, so one thing I'll encourage you to do is, and I'm sure you do this, but when you're looking at a company and researching the heck out of it online before you even talk to anybody, look for core values somewhere on their website. Try to find out what do they believe? What are their behavioral expectations? Every business has different core values and they, they tend to, if they really use the core values, they will hire people who share the core values. 
They'll fire people who refuse to live by those core values and they'll review, reward, and recognize people around that. They really want to live and breathe, breathe those core values. As an example, Southwest Airlines, which everybody knows, has three core values. It spells S-W-A, Southwest Airlines, right? S-W-S is servant's heart, W is warrior's spirit, and A is attitude, like a fun-loving attitude. And if you think about the flight attendants and the folks who work at Southwest, they, you know, that you know, servant's heart, warrior's spirit, fun-loving attitude, it attracts people to that firm, and it repels people who don't subscribe to that. So if they buy another airline and the people are not fun, they're not going to make it in that culture. So culture fit is super important. And we'll talk about that with the panel here. And that's on the core value side. There's a people analyzer. Next slide. It's a tool we use. And you can see the core values across the top. And there's people, employees' names down the, the left side there. And this is a one way to think about how to use core values in a firm because some people are going to live and die by those core values others are going to be pretty mediocre and some are going to be downright awful they're just not fits for the uh for the organization and so the the way we kind of score this next build is a plus plus minus minus uh three sort of uh, um, ways to grade somebody so if you're thinking about joining a firm and you know their core values start to think about how you line up with their core values and what stories could you tell about your past experiences that help the person interviewing you know if you really do live and breathe that core value a plus means most of the time they they uh subscribe to that core value and live that core value a minus means most of the time they they behave the opposite of that core value. So you look at Martin Gilbert in Humbly Confident, he, he might be overly confident. He's arrogant. He's not humble about it, right? Or help first, he's more about me, me, me versus we, 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 and, and trying to help and do the right thing. He always does the wrong thing, you know? So he's a minus there. And a plus minus is kind of like a C, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not great and it's not awful, but it's certainly a tap on the shoulder, kind of a red flag. But that's a tool to think about as you look about look at how you might feel you align or don't align with the company's core values. The second, uh, next slide, discipline to strengthen that people component, uh, next build, is the right seats component. And this is a tool we use called the accountability chart. So if you think about entering a business, um, they've got a demand creation side, marketing and sales. They've got operations, which is delivering the product or the service. And they've got finance, which might have all the administrative sort of back office, uh, accounting, HR, IT, finance type functions. Those three at the bottom here, they report to an integrator, or maybe it's a call president, and that president might report to a CEO. These five seats, which could turn into, you know, seven or eight seats as they build this accountability chart, represent job jobs in the organization. And let's drill into the marketing and sales job. Next slide. The marketing and sales job, for example, as you look at joining a firm is going to have a job description with it. And one thing you want to ask yourself is as you read that job description, do I get it? Like, do I really get that those roles and responsibilities associated with that job? Do I want it? Do I literally jump out of bed wanting to do those things? And an example uh, of that might be a finance person that may be sitting in a sales seat or a salesperson that's sitting in the finance seat, they, they probably don't want that job. And uh, so that's a really important question for it, not just wanting a job, but wanting that job. And knowing that you get it, you want it, and the C is a capacity. Do you have the capacity to do that job? And that's mental, physical, emotional, um, spiritual capacity to do that job. And if any one of those is a no, you do not want that job. And so if you go back to the people analyzer, uh, next slide, 
the GWC becomes the right seat measurement on the people analyzer and next build, you want all yeses there. So you can see Joanne right here is all pluses on core values. She is the right person and she gets it. She wants it, she has capacity to do that seat. And when you're looking for a job and you're interviewing, be interviewing that interviewer as much as they're interviewing you. You wanna see if you're gonna fit in that culture and if you're gonna really fit in that seat and you're gonna really be able to own that seat and, and really deliver on the expectations that are associated with that seat. And I, I know in my past experience, in some of the early <clears throat> roles I had, I really didn't do this analysis. I was just looking for a job. And although I got some good experiences and you know, kind of land, land on your feet all the time, um, if I'd known this stuff, I would have gone about it uh, quite a bit differently. So with that, there is a, um, one more slide I wanna share on this topic. And it's this slide related to core values and performance. So we have our GWC along the X axis and the core values on the, on the Y axis sort of thinking about my algebra courses, my geometry courses in uh, at Academy. But in the upper right-hand corner, you have people that are truly aligned with core values and they're high performers. They are stars. You want to be obviously a star when you join a company. Sometimes you join a company, you share the core values, but you don't quite yet have that performance. You don't have that GWC quite yet. And they're willing to train you and invest in you. I simply call those puppies. And puppies, you know, you think about what do you do with puppies? Well, you train them and uh, they're, they're good, but you got to you know, make sure they stay in line and they don't, you know, poop in the house and all that kind of stuff. But, but puppies, if you do it right, they can become stars or just really solid citizens. But key here is hire for alignment with core values or join companies where you are aligned with core values, because hopefully you can become really strong there. Bottom left, you uh, stay away from column duds or rats. Rats is the opposite of stars in terms of the way it's spelled. You can see that, but rats are low on core values and low performers. They run for the shadows when you shine the light on their, um, their expectations, their scorecard measurables. And so uh, usually companies get rid of those. And then the bottom right are the toughest people to get rid of. These are the high performers, but they do so at the expense of the whole team. They don't, they don't live the core values. And if you're a star in a business and you have to go in every day and deal with a terrorist all day, who's a high performer, but they're real a real jerk and you don't like dealing with them, you're eventually gonna leave. So good companies who don't get rid of their terrorists or turn them around, uh, lose some of their best people, their stars go out, I say. And so that's an important kind of way to think about when you're joining a firm, you wanna join, A players like to be uh, hanging out with A players, like high performers, people who love being accountable. And so that's sort of a context for this people conversation we're gonna have. And um, with that, if, if I wanna just also encourage you to type in questions. If you have questions around core values, questions around get it, want it, capacity to do it, or how to evaluate a firm's core values, that kind of stuff, we have that Q&A box. So strongly encourage you to keep typing in there. And I'm gonna, uh, next slide, turn this over to Mike to give us his story as we, next slide, get into more of the EOS model, but more of the people and the right talent um, topic that uh, Victoria and Mike will help us understand a little bit better and then open it for questions and answers. So thank you very much for letting me talk to you guys about EOS. Alex, thank you. Next slide, please. Um, you know, one of the points, the networking point, um, look, I, I can't, I can't get you a job um, in the corporate office here at Big Lots, but what I can do, unless it's in human resources, by the way, but what I can do, if you're interested, is, is direct you to our biglots.com website, go to the careers part and see what's available. We are deemed an essential retailer. We've been open the entire pandemic. We've been hiring in the building that I happen to be sitting in right now, the entire pandemic. 
What I can do if you're interested is you send me an email with your resume, what job you're interested in. We have a conversation. And the beauty of it is because of the Columbus Academy connection, you go to the top of the pile. Again, this assumes you're qualified and all the obvious things. If the job requires that you're a lawyer and you don't have a JD behind your name, it's not going to happen. Believe me, we get plenty of resumes of folks who I don't think they read the job description. Um, they just send in the resume for any job. But if you're qualified for the job and every job we post, we get at least 100 resumes in from across the country, you go to the top of the pile, which means you're going to hear from a recruiter. You're going to have that first level um, um, conversation slash interview with a recruiter. And they're going to know because I'm going to tell them this is somebody I care about. And I'll tell them exactly why, because of the high school connection, frankly. And it matters. These things really matter. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. When I get that email, I'm thrilled to receive it. I think um, even if, if the person you're sending the email to just happens to work at a company you want to work at and they're not in HR, believe me, they're still thrilled to get the email. Even though they've never heard your name before, you're you know, 10 years younger or 10 years older, whatever the case may be, than that person. So you didn't cross over, didn't cross paths at Academy. Um, it's very, very valuable, these connections. And they, they'll say, oh, you know, it's like I have a good friend in HR. I'll flip your resume to that person. Um, it advances the ball, and, and that's critical. I'll tell you a little bit more about Big Lots. Um, trying, no, selling you a little bit on it, but the first picture there is of our corporate headquarters, which we built two years ago. And as we go through this pandemic, I think we all scratch our heads and wonder if we could have done something better with the money. Uh, but it is a cool place, and hopefully someday we'll all be back in it. Uh, but right now, although we are open, um, we've suggested to all of our associates that they stay home um, and work from home. They all have laptops, uh, hourlies, and exempt associates. Everybody's working. Uh, if you go to the next slide, a little bit about what Alex sort of uh, started off with. Uh, you see our mission. We help uh, people live big and save lots. Um, our vision is to be the big difference for a better life by four things, delivering unmatched value through surprise and delight, building a best places to work culture, rewarding shareholders with consistent growth and top tier returns, and doing good as we do well, which is a nod to philanthropy. And finally, our values uh, lead with Jennifer. Jennifer is our customer. Jennifer is the most popular name in our rewards um, portfolio. Uh, so we went with Jennifer. Uh, we use customer research to find new ways to help Jennifer save money and time. We treat all like friends. We see shoppers, colleagues, and vendor partners as trusted friends. We bring an attitude of respect and honesty to every transact or interaction. Um, succeed together. We work openly and collaboratively, leaning on the power of new ideas and fresh perspectives to make our workplace better. And we play to win. We measure ourselves in profit and accelerating growth, taking ownership for meeting company and individual goals. So again, if you read what I just read to you, basically, and this sounds like a place you'd like to work, and there's a job opportunity, you're going to get my email at the end of this presentation. Next, please. There's a, a picture of the interior of the building, and those little carts are, were cut in half and then stuck on the wall. And it looks a little weird in this picture, but if you see it in person, it's pretty slick. Um, those are the actual um, little baskets that we use um, in our 1400 stores. Next, please. Um, be the big, enhance your career at Big Lots. And again, a little bit more information, but I'll let you quickly read it since you're seeing it for the first time. Um, but it, it gives you a sense of who we're looking for. And remember, we're competing against everybody else, and especially in the retail world. But, you know, most of our jobs are transferable outside of, of most likely the buying organization, buyers, planners, 
replenishment people, allocation folks. But if you're an accountant, you can work in retail, but you can work at a bank. You can work in your own accounting firm. There's a number of things you can do. So the, the skills are transferable. So we have to always be on top of our game because everyone who's out there looking for a job in a certain discipline might include us in that, uh, in that search. So we have to be on top of our game and constantly letting you know who we are and what we stand for. Next, please. Another shot from the interior. That's actually um, our workout facility. Um, I had asked somebody directions to it. I don't know where it's located. Actually, it's attached to HR and it's currently closed, of course, but very cool. And it's a, just a benefit that we like to tout when we're talking to people, we're recruiting people as you know something that uh, we provide for free. Uh, next slide, please. And, and then that's a, the picture on the left is there's a, a, like a sculpture in the back of an ex explanation point, which is our, our symbol, our logo. Um, and some of our associates um, standing on it, as you can see. Um, and then you see some of the areas, this was a, a screenshot. It, it, it may be a little bit different now because it's constantly changing, but we had jobs available uh, probably 30 days ago when we submitted this slide in all these areas. And they suggest that you uh, follow our careers at careers.biglots.com. Might be easier just to remember biglots.com and you can click around and find it. Uh, next, please. Benefits, again, have to be competitive. I won't read you all this, but as you can see, there's a wide array of benefits that we offer um, from health benefits to 401k savings, um, short-term and long-term disability, paid sick, and some of the other benefits. Uh, again, it depends on the actual job, but most of these benefits are for uh, certainly all salaried associates. Um, so again, you get, a, you get a sense of what's out there and again, this isn't gonna be much different than any of our competition, but you have to tout it. And it's obviously important if you're looking for a job to learn as much as you can about this stuff um, as soon as you can, because there may be something on here that, that, that's missing that would mean you probably wouldn't want the job. And so don't waste your time. Uh, next, please. Um, it's a, the Warren Buffett saying at the bottom, price is what you pay, value is what you get. Look, we're, we're not going to beat Walmart or Target, um, who we consider to be two of our competitors, um, on, on price. Uh, we, we may beat them on occasion, and if we have a closeout item or, or a manufactured specially for us item, we can get them on price. Uh, but generally, that's not where we're going to get them. It's going to be on the value. So maybe the price is better, but the quality of our item or the size of our item is better than what they're offering. Um, so anyway, that's something we always keep in the back of our mind, that, you know, the difference between price and value. Uh, next, please. A um, little bit more information about Big Lots, which I think I already covered. Um, we, we are not the, if you haven't been in one of our stores in, you know, a few years, um, we are not the Odd Lots you may have remembered. Um, odd Lots was, was primarily a closeout retailer, meaning we were buying large quantities of discontinued product or product where there was a change in the packaging, um, et cetera. Um, that, that is not our business anymore. Do we have some incredible buys that you could call a closeout? Yes, we do. But we have a lot of regular merchandise. And uh, in, in any event, you can see all the categories. We, we do over a billion dollars in furniture, as an example. And I'm guessing most of you on this call had no idea we even sold furniture. So in any event, cool company. You can look us up on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol big. Next, please. This is kind of a cool night shot. You can see that from uh, 
161 if whether you're heading east or west you look over at night it's lit up like that and you know i've been here 27 years so i'm really proud of that but you may not think it's quite as cool when you pass it next slide thank you um, now i'd like to introduce victoria foreman class of 2007 again who has worked in the healthcare industry for 10 years she will walk you through her experience helping to launch mixed talent and how she utilized her healthcare career to move into recruiting and talent acquisition. Victoria. Great, thank you so much, Mike. Um, so as you had mentioned, worked in the healthcare industry the past 10 years and recently joined Mixed Talent two years ago to help them as we started the uh, recruiting firm here in Columbus. Mixed Talent was uh, founded in August of 2018 and I joined the team shortly after in September as one of their first employees. And since then, have helped to build out the company in, in various ways, uh, now managing a team, clients, uh, helping to build our preclinical division um, through business development there. If we could go to the next slide. Um, when I think about what sets us apart in the pharmaceutical search industry, it's the type of talent that we attract and the patients we really have around not rushing our hiring process that has made us so successful. And I think not rushing is a really important message for anyone who is either growing or looking for ways to retain a team or someone who's just on the job hunt. Looking for a job is a full-time job and it takes time. And I think for our company, We've grown tremendously in the past two years to over 50 people, and that's that's not by accident. We've put a lot of thought and care around who we who we hire and how we go about hiring and finding the right talent there, both for our company as well as the clients that we work with. Um, next slide. So how we think, you know, when we begin to work with a client, we are very thoughtful around ensuring we create the right mix to fit their needs. Um, one of the things that I think really sticks out to us as we be begin to partner with various clients within the healthcare industry is the importance of not taking a one-size-fits-all mentality um, when it comes to hiring as well as uh, retaining that talent. Being able to ensure a positive experience requires us to have the foresight to predict a client's needs and creating a thoughtful relationship to address those needs head on. Um, our founding partners have a combined 40 plus years of experience in search to help guide these strategies and solve these problems for them. But it's really our culture, um, the talent that we attract at Mix that ultimately leads us to having strong execution at the end of the day. Uh, next slide, please. Um, oh, back one. <laughs> Thank you. So at the core of our culture are the founding principles that you see here. And it's really these four principles that we look for in each of our hires. We found that by attracting talent with these core principles that we're able to be more successful with our partnership, partnerships. So of course, assessing, you know, skill set experience, that's very important to the role, but I can't stress enough how important culture is to a company and an individual's overall success. So when I think about our values, you know, we hire adults um, who we empower to solve any ambiguity um, they encounter with clients or candidates alike. Um, we support our team to prioritize caring about the clients at the end of the day, the candidates experience. Um, and when we do this, we're able to deliver and overall, it's a win-win for all those involved. I think the one thing that I really want to highlight on this that I see most frequently, both um, with clients and candidates alike, is 
ultimately getting to that why. I think it's by far one of the things that I hear most. Um, it's important from time to time to really check in with yourself if you are answering that why at the end of the day, because it, it really should over your career change as you grow, as you encounter different types of challenges, your why will change from when you're 25 to when you're 35 to when you're 45, depending on what you wanna get out of your career. And ultimately, people move from different roles or different companies because their why is changing. Whether it be the scope of the role that they're in, you maybe have outgrown that, or perhaps the why at that company has maybe shifted. Um, if you wouldn't mind moving to the next slide, please. So what I've really found is that our culture, that we've attracted a team that's really more willing to go above and beyond. It's really what our X factor is, is because we're able to connect to people's Y. And you don't always find that in the types of recruiters that you might be working with. Um, if you could go to the next slide, please. I really think it's um, our strategic approach that when we begin a partnership with any client, we invest our time to learn about their therapeutic space, their patients, their company culture. Um, we truly become partners with them. We do this by bringing in speakers, industry leaders. We hear from patients themselves. And it's really this approach that helps our team to connect to not just our why, but our clients' why too. And we've just really found that this investment upfront in our team is really what allows them to be passionate about whatever company we might be working with, the roles that they might be recruiting for. Um, and ultimately it leads to, you know, a stronger retention rate within our company, as well as as we are hiring folks on for our clients. Um, if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide there. Um, you can see here that, you know, our X factor is really built up from a few things. You know, we have a quality group of recruiters at Mix. Uh, we really care deeply about the candidates and the client experience. Um, our customized assessment work really allows us to assess candidates for um, fit both within their actual role that they're interviewing with as well as within the company's culture as a whole. And we take the same approach when attracting talent for our company. And it's really interesting just to see how when you tie everything back to your core principles, um, it really, that investment, you can see how it can spread into everything that you might do. Um, you wouldn't mind going to the next slide here. I really just wanted to include this one here because you can see we work with clients of all sizes and our partnerships may look different um, depending on their needs, but our approach um, is virtually the same. So whether we're working with a client and helping them to bill out from, you know, ground up like Glimpse Bio here, or working with a larger biotech like Biogen and helping them to build out an all new Alzheimer division. When you connect with your clients, when you understand their why, when you understand the candidates why, that really allows us to be excited about what we're doing, but then also attract and retain um, the right talent. So I think um, wanted to get through that so we could get to some questions here. So I'll turn it back over to Alex. Great, thanks, Victoria. Excellent. That is very helpful, very cool. Um, we're going to um, stop the slide share and turn on our cameras here, so you can kind of see at least three of the folks behind the curtain, um, including Mike. <laughs> there he is. Uh, all right, never a doubt, never a doubt. Um, and uh, a couple of questions have come in, and so I'm going to just want to facilitate a few, Victoria and and Mike, if you can kind of think about. And I, I want to give you just a quiet 30 seconds after I state the question. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel like it's like blah, but um, 
so networking. So a couple of questions around networking. In the age of COVID, this is, uh, thanks, Alec, for your question. In the age of COVID, when everyone's stuck at home, how can we continue to grow our network? In the age of COVID, when everyone is stuck at home, how can we continue to grow our network? And um, Victoria, maybe we could start with you. And, and Mike, if you have some yeah. thoughts after that. I think for me, a couple of things come to mind. One is LinkedIn is probably one of the strongest ways to virtually connect with folks. I think both um, it's very easy to utilize and try to find connections through alumni networks, whether it be high school or college. Um, it's easy to see those through, you know, within LinkedIn companies that you might be targeting. Do you know folks that work there? Do you have a second connection there? I think that's also really important there. Another thing when it comes to networking that I don't think a lot of people coming from a recruiting standpoint um, really think about is I, I, you know, I recruit within the pharmaceutical industry and biotech. I connect, a lot of people connect with me that might be just work, looking for roles in that space. So if you can identify recruiters that maybe work within your industry, those are a great group of folks to network with as well, because maybe they don't have a job for you today, um, but they might be able to connect you to someone at a company you're interested in. They may be able to pass your resume along. They can help you with your resume. Um, so I think there's a lot of different networks that we can start utilizing that are not just within the alumni, which obviously is important, but um, also outside of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Just one quick note, Mike, and I'll jump, let you jump in. I have been, I mentioned this to Alec in the response, but taking Zoom coffees. I mean, yeah. you know, somebody reaches out to me, says, hey, do you have, do you, have you know, usually it's a 30 minutes to go get a cup mm -hmm. of coffee or something, which usually takes like an hour and a half. Uh, the Zoom coffee is much quicker mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, how can I help, help, help. And so that's been sort of a common one for me is, is take as many of those as you can fit them in like maybe 20 minute blocks. So you give somebody mm -hmm. the 10 minutes to use the bathroom and, you know, prepare for their next, their next yeah. meeting. Uh, Mike, did you have uh, additional questions? You know, that, that, that's great advice. And the LinkedIn advice is obviously great advice too. It's, it's our go-to as well. Um, look, another way, and it's, um, it's typically for entry level jobs more than anything, but we have entry level jobs across the organization. Um, I can't tell you how often I get a colleague walk into my office when people were walking in the offices. Now I'm getting it on uh, Microsoft Teams um, and say, hey, so and so is, you know, this is their first or second job out of college and, you know, they're looking for this and, and the skills match this. Um, I've known so-and-so for a while. I'm really close with either their parents or um, I have a child who's best friends with this kid. And you'd be shocked at how often that is a really good door opener. Mm -hmm. And especially for those first and second, maybe even third jobs out of college. Um, and away you go. Resume goes to the top of the pile. Because one of my colleagues is going to vouch for somebody. I'm, okay, good enough for me. So let's, let's see how it goes. And we put the resume on top, let them interview and see what happens. Uh, it's, it's easy to do that the key is not being shy. Uh, mm -hmm. Asking, go back to your class of whatever year you graduate from academy or wherever your friends are and start calling them up, zooming with them and find out what they're up to. You can look them up in the academy directory with the app that uh, I know Melissa sent out. You can begin to see people who are doing things that, that interest you and you get to reconnect and you also get to network a little bit. Mm -hmm. How, do you guys um, sort of tied into that um, some of the question, one of the questions I ask folks who network with me occasionally is like, what are you interested in? Like, tell me what, mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and if they say, I, I don't know, it really like causes me to not to be able to help them that much, but being able to answer the question. And so it sort of led mm -hmm. me to like, does big lots is mixed. Do, do you guys do assessments? Do you look at any personality like profiles or, you know, disc or Myers-Briggs or that kind of thing when you're looking at fit for either the company or the seat, the job? Yeah, so our company does provide assessment work for the clients that we work with. And so we, um, throughout the interview process for the candidates, they will take this assessment and we actually work with the client to figure out what type of person are we looking for from personality skill set to fit within the scope of the role. And then we also compare that back to the culture of the company, because sometimes don't, those don't always align with the type of role, the person that you're looking for within that. Um, we found this to be really great, especially when you're building out um, whether it be really large teams, um, so sales teams of 100, 150, or even for executive work that we do. So, so we do use Myers-Briggs, but only on candidates above a certain level. So it's not every candidate. And um, the way we also do it here is there's a certain level that it's, it's usual. Our level here is called director. So it's top 100 people in the company. Um, I interview the final candidates, 100% of them. And believe me, if it's an IT professional or almost any other discipline but HR, they can fool me. I'm not a subject matter expert. They are. So by the time it gets to me, my assumption is they can do the job. So I barely scratch the surface on asking them about their prior work mm -hmm. history because I, I don't care at that point because I know they can do the job. For yeah. me, it's all about the culture. It's all yeah. about the document I was reading from before and trying to determine whether or not that person is going to be a cultural fit because the worst thing that can happen for either one of us is I realized 90 days in, 180 days in, a year in, we made a bad hire. Or they, or they come to me and realize that I sold them a book of goods, which right. is why I'm always transparent. And the, last, the worst thing that can happen is that person disappears in six months and I got to start all over again with another search. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's disruptive to the business. You, you get it. it it's, it's a disaster. So the cultural fit is every bit as critical as the ability mm -hmm. to do the job. That's yeah. great. The, we have about four minutes left, and Victoria, I have a specific question uh, submitted mm -hmm. for you about how your role has changed since COVID. Are more people entering pharma? You know what? Pharmaceutical industry, healthcare industry, it's interesting. I haven't seen a huge slowdown in it um, for a few reasons. Um, I think, yes, we've seen layoffs within it, but those companies that have drug launches coming up, things like that, we haven't seen a slowdown with that. The other thing that's interesting within research and development is a lot of that money is set aside three, five years earlier. So those roles aren't going to be stopped because that money, that budget that's there is already kind of set aside and they're not going to slow down in that space. I think um, you'll see layoffs for just drugs that aren't doing well. Um, but we haven't seen, I would say that's one of the industries that we've seen really strong um, and we're still hiring a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. Great. And Alec, hopefully mm -hmm. that answers your question. Mike, there's a question specifically for you around retail sectors in terms of the, um, your opinion on retail sectors you think might rebound or actually get stronger after COVID and will fashion make a comeback mergers? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, breaking news, I think came out after the markets closed today, L Brands is um, going to do a 15% reduction in force, which is going to impact hundreds of associates, you know, five minutes from where I'm sitting right now, 10 minutes from the academy. Um, so, you know, a Cena group, which is, you know, Justice and Lane Bryant and Ann Taylor, also two miles from where I'm sitting right now in, in New Albany. Um, 
you know, they're, they're in chapter 11 and they're closing a bunch of stores. I think they said six or 800 or 600 justice, uh, justice stores, a few Ann Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. So the rag guys, I mean, Macy's is on the verge. Uh, Nordstrom's isn't doing well. Uh, you saw Brooks Brothers went out of business uh, or, or at least in bankruptcy and they may all come back uh, after the protection. It wouldn't surprise me and it'll look a lot different than they look now. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a fair question. I don't know the answer. I think the segment we happen to be in, which is um, obviously discount merchandising, uh, not heavy on apparel, although we do sell some apparel now, people are always going to need the things we sell, food, consumables, um, even home decorations, sofas, et cetera, linens, people need that stuff. Yes, you do need clothes, but it's so easy to buy some of that stuff online and there's just gonna be the fittest that win. And I think we're gonna emerge from this pandemic with a much different looking retail landscape. And I'd be very surprised if some of these names that have already declared bankruptcy ever come out of it. Yeah. Uh, Stage, Stage Stores is another one that's not as familiar here in Columbus, but they have stores all over the, the Midwest and small towns, uh, peoples they own, they own Stage Stores themselves. Uh, in any event, I, I don't think any of these guys come back. At least a lot of these guys won't come back. That's, that's great. That's helpful, Mike. Um, and, and we're at the top of the hour. I want to be respectful of our time. We have a couple uh, of slides in, that, that, that we're going to obviously send you guys all the slides. And there will be these two sort of bonus slides on um, networking tips and interviewing tips um, Victoria put together for us. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you have further questions on that, though, our email addresses will be at the end of the deck. And please feel free to reach out to any of us. Um, and I'll, I'll just say thank you guys so much for your time, Mike and Victoria and Melissa for inviting us to, uh, to share. Hopefully it was valuable for you guys. Uh, please give us some feedback. Uh, if you get a survey, all tens. And if you don't give tens, it's <laughs> one to 11. Um, and, uh, but help us get stronger at the continuing the quest, um, yeah. uh, events that Melissa is putting together and spearheading, uh, Victoria, Mike, other, other final comments. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I uh, would have also brought up around kind of role changing is with us being in a virtual world, I'm seeing everything, interviews are all going virtual, they're all via Zoom now, onboarding all virtual, and there's also a change and a shift in the job marketplace where a lot more companies are willing to hire people remote. So I think if you are on the job hunt, if you are looking for that, don't be afraid to look at other companies because a lot of them are now saying people are working from home anyways. They're probably not going to be here for another year. So they're more open to that. So don't feel like you're um, geographically locked into Columbus or wherever you might be um, because a lot of companies are changing that philosophy. That's great. Great. Nice. I, I would only add that uh, don't hesitate to email any of us. Um, we're, we're, we look forward to it and, and conversing and getting to know some of you and if we can help out in any way. Uh, with your search or with our own companies, let us know. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. I'll turn over the reins to you and uh, have, have a good evening, everybody. <laughs> thank you again. Thank, thank you, guys. You.